You're listening to The Sleuth Podcast. Real private investigators here to help you find the truth when you need to know. Sharing sometimes shocking, sometimes heartwarming, and sometimes hilarious stories from the field. We keep it real. Interviews with experts bring you insights on how people leverage PIs in their lives and in their businesses. Licensed by the North Carolina Department of Public Safety, here's your host, Jamie. Yay, yay, yay. Welcome back to the Sleuth Podcast. This is Jamie. I have here with me Candice. Say hello, Candice. And Hi. To- <laughs> Say it again. I'm sorry. Was it You had that voice again. Sometimes you do that and it's weird. I know. I can't help it. Hi. Hey, friend. How's it going? It's going good. So we have a new voice today on the show. She is co-hosting with me today. This is Miss Candice. She is our newest investigator to Blackman Detective bow, Services. Bow. <laughs> <laughs> How excited are you to be in the podcast room today? I'm freaking out. Pretty much a lot. <laughs> okay, I got to tell you how, well, I'm going to let Candace tell you kind of how we found us. Weird kind of situation during COVID. I got Ugh. an email from this girl and she was like, hey. I am looking for a job and this is, I have all of these things and I would really love to come work for you. And I was like, it wasn't like that. I just didn't know that's what you thought I sounded like. I don't but. know. I'm making that up at this point. <laughs> I'm making that Good up now because I like, uh, that's how sometimes you sound whenever you're asking for things. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, Candace, how did you get to Blackman Detective Services? Uh, it was quite a long road. So I decided that I wanted to become a private investigator at about the end of last year. And I started looking into the process and it was a lot and it wasn't super fun. But <laughs> I originally had connected with this other investigator who's super nice and we got all my paperwork together and sent it all off. And then literally like the day after we sent everything off, it was like, hi, here's the plague. I kept in contact with him during the first few months of COVID. And he eventually was like, yeah, I'm going to um close my practice. And I was like, ha, cool. So what the hell do I do? So <laughs> he luckily had uh, some he had contacted a couple of different people for me in advance to help me, and you were one of them. And actually, he, it was Tanya. I meant was like Tanya? Blackman. Yeah, he oh, spoke yeah. with Tanya, okay. who he's like obsessed with. So he was like, Tanya's something great. Just give her a call. And I was like, okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So he had told me a little bit about what Blackman specifically, like the cases they did. And he was not involved in any criminal work, and he knew that's what I really wanted to get into. Of the options, he was like, this is probably the the best fit for you. So I actually only contacted you guys and Hey, I'm yeah. so glad. I'm so glad you did. She's been a breath of fresh air and just really awesome and she's super smart. Oh, stop. And she's I've just been what happened to her? She's really weird. Uh <laughs> But, but it works. You know, we work. <laughs> you get used to it. Yeah. Although she's been working with us, officially got your card today. Yes. We've been waiting for it for a month. I've been waiting for it for eight months well, because I, I was supposed to get it the first time around and it never even came. So <laughs> I was like, for some reason, okay. everyone is against me. Nobody wants me to have my official little card. And I feel, well, now I feel you like have a, it. a big girl. Now Super in your excited. wallet, yes. like official, like I don't have Now to. I just have to not lose it. Oh, please. (laughs) That's not good. That's not good. What do you like so far about working for black men? 
I've been the kind of person I've never thought that I would ever have a nine to five kind of job. That's just not who I am. And luckily this isn't a nine to five kind of job, which I didn't expect it to be, but I like that. Uh, a lot of the work I can do whenever I just have time. There's no, you have to do this right now. And I want to go for a walk with my dog. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And what's really awesome about Candace is sometimes I, I work early morning hours. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> and she does not. So like when I wake up in the morning, she's been doing a lot of work. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> it's so late. How can you even think about this stuff at that time of night? Usually just my thoughts. It certainly isn't going to get on glippy glip <laughs> I'm like no I do my best work at like three in the morning you've done a great job so far um like put murder boards across my office closet so now I can't use it anymore okay but. can we can we talk about that <laughs> sure okay so we another freaking awesome oh, opportunity crazy so Candace shows up and a week later I get an email from this guy saying that um he is looking for an investigator in the area to do some um interviews and possibly like some surveillance on a cold case and we find out that they are working on the cold case for Faith Hedgepeth, who is a UNC student who was killed in 2012 and her murder has gone unsolved. We're working now on the cold case of Faith Hedgepeth with these gentlemen and super excited to tell you guys more about this in the future. We are we're still in the midst of doing a lot of the investigating and checking up on things and <laughs> Candace is has dived in and you More know like, it's been meow. awesome <laughs> <laughs> that sounded really good oh my gosh thanks. good job <laughs> she's a soundboard now <laughs> she can do a little sound I things. thought about doing cartoon voices I think I would be really good at it I'll do one but, Oh, can you right do now. Candace from Phineas and Ferb? Because that's a great name for a PI. Remember that show? Did <laughs> yes, your kids ever watch it? Yes. So Candace was the one that always wanted to bust the brothers. <laughs> yes. I yeah, I've seen it, but I don't remember what her what she looked like. I gotta Pull work on that. I don't know. They they look weird, those. Yeah, I I know I feel like I can picture her, but I can't like? think of what she sounds like at all. I know that the theme song ends with her screaming, Phineas. That's all that I remember. <laughs> she's a sister, right? Yeah, she's yeah. one of the little tall, skinny one. Oh, there you go. Candace Flynn. <laughs> yeah, but I can't remember what her voice sounds like. Just make like. it up. Do it. I don't know why you want me to make up the voice, <laughs> Jamie. I don't know what her voice is, all right? It's I, fine. That might be close. <laughs> so you mentioned a murder board. Is that the real term for it? When you, Because I just know that from like TV shows when somebody's doing an investigation <laughs> and they put red yarn in between the pictures yes. and all that. Oh, I've got all kinds of string. Yeah. Different <laughs> colors for different people, for yes. different relationships. She's got like little bubbles, like little hearts on the corner for these people who are together. They're in relationships. So I was like, oh, I completely know what the case is about. And I didn't yeah. even have to like read anything. It's like a really sad vision boarding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, last, So I've been staring at it for days, just thinking that if I just continually stare at it, somehow magically the case will be solved. So that wait, is it on the closet? It's, it, it looks like you can't open the closet. I cannot open my closet. That's correct. Um, I do, <laughs> husband and I are redoing our house, so everything's a mess, but I don't have really any open walls. And that was the biggest open space I had. And I was, I'm really the only one that uses anything in that closet. It's the right. office closet. And so I was like, I'm making this decision. I'm, I'm not going in my office closet until I solve this murder. <laughs> but I love it. So, yeah. So last night I was like, all right, I just keep staring at it and it's not working. Maybe change your perspective. So I, I laid on the floor in front of it upside down and stared at it for mm. another like hour. And what happened? Did you um, come with anything else? 
No, I almost fell asleep. That was about it. I just was <laughs> angry. <laughs> just like this didn't work. But I really hope that some kind of crazy way that we will be able to solve this case or at least really at least help the police department solve this case. One of the difficulties is that the Chapel Hill police have not turned over the majority of the information that they have. And so it's everything is speculation at this point. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly right. So that's happening. Okay, what else is happening in the life of Blackman Detective Services? We have been updating things on the marketing side. We are... We have a Blackman Detective Services Instagram now. We still have the Sleuth Podcast Instagram. And then we also have Blackman Detective Services on Facebook where you can follow us. I have joined Triangle BNI. I know that, Joe, you do a lot with Mike. Mm -hmm. That's What's his show? Plug his show in there right quick. What's his show? Wired to Change. It's it's him and his business partner, Trinity, and they give business advice as business coaches. Okay. Hmm. And they're part of what are they in BNI? Yeah, Mike is for sure. Okay. All right, cool. And I'm pretty sure they were just on a podcast that I was producing and they met through BNI. Yeah. Awesome. What's BNI? BNI is is business networking. International. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) There's a lot of, you got to go through these like trainings and little educational moments and stuff like that just to, and I'm still in my first couple of weeks, so I haven't read everything up yet. And so is this the one you had to get accepted into? Yes. So it's like a big deal. You basically just want to find a group of people that you gel with, bond with, so that you can all know and trust each other and make sure that you're sharing business with others and helping people in your community. And then they also make sure that you don't have anybody else that does your thing in there. Yeah. It's a seat specific Mm. Thing. So there won't be any other investigators in right. Jamie's group. No. And that right. and there are not I don't know any other PI companies that are even involved in BNI like that. Um, I'm sure there are some, but it's just one of those things you gotta put a lot of time into it and make sure that you take care of it and treat it good. So I'm super excited. Shout outs to my triangle business builders BNI group. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> so I'm hoping that we get to share some of what they do on the show. And I just think all that would be cool. So um, I like it. Yep. Yep. Okay. What's next? So why I love Candace. Let me count the ways. She loves true crime podcast. <laughs> What are like, you talking so about? I'm I like, thought I like never true even crime. heard of one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I like true crime podcast, but not anywhere. Like she shuts me up when. OK, so when we talked to <laughs> some of the guys for the other um, case that we, we were working on, they were just chit chatting about all these different podcasts <laughs> and who was on it. And I'm like, I, I thought I listened. I remember that case. <laughs> like, sounds familiar. Maybe if you tell me a little bit more about it, it can ring a bell. Sure. But you're just awesome at that. So what. Tell me, like, love of podcasts, why, and I, I, what do you love about it? First, you yeah. majored in criminal. I went to East Carolina University, and there I earned my bachelor's in um, political science and history. Then I moved back home, did the whole service industry thing for 10 years. Then. Wait a minute, service, who, where'd you work? At, like, 50 million different restaurants. Favorite one? Oh, Carol's Creek Cafe. Carol's Creek, what they do? Carol's Creek. Carol's Creek. Annapolis, Maryland. Okay, that's right. You're not from here. Hey, guys. Miss you. Uh, <laughs> they're just, it was by far my favorite place I've ever worked. I miss them dearly. And then after moving here to Raleigh, I worked at a couple of different restaurants and 
nowhere compares to Carol's. And it was just like everywhere is a disappointment because I miss them so much. <laughs> fun fact about Candace. She gets motion sickness. Like, oh, yeah. In the super car. fun fact. <laughs> she called me one day after she did some work and she was like, yeah, I, I almost threw up twice on the way home. <laughs> Like, why? I don't know. She's like, I was trying to video. And there's that voice. <laughs> I was trying to video camera. And whenever I just felt like I was just, my stomach was not well. And it was weird and gross. I did not like yeah. it. Yeah. She was like, I when I got home, I did. <laughs> right in the front yard. <laughs> so I'm excited. We get to learn how to <laughs> defeat motion sickness. The other day we went on a, on an excursion. We did. Our Chapel Hill event. Yeah. It's 30 or 30 hours. It, was it felt like 30, 30 hours. <laughs> it was eight hours of driving, but she did well. She didn't throw up in my car. All That's right. So anyway, what were we talking about? Forgot. I don't know. You had to stop to make fun of me. So I lost my place. Oh, talking oh, about how much I love podcasts. Favorite podcast. That's that's impossible. That's impossible. I know. I cannot say that. Um, What's the one we're going to talk about today? Uh, today we're going to be talking about Undisclosed, which is definitely one of my favorite podcasts. And why is it your favorite podcast? So Undisclosed. Or one of your favorites. Yeah. Uh, so Undisclosed started its first. Okay. So it's has three hosts. Mm-hmm. It's Rabia Chaudhry, Colin Miller, and Susan Simpson. They're all lawyers. Right. Yeah. Anyone who's familiar with Adnan Syed, his case, Rabia is a close family friend. So I I, now that one, I was absolutely sure of. I do remember the Adnan case. That was very good. The first season of Undisclosed is actually them going through serial. Okay. So they go through all the different episodes. They talk about things that weren't said in the podcast. Rabia gives personal insights from Adnan because she, you know, talks to him all the time. And so that was their first season, and I loved it because I loved cereal. I'm from Maryland, so didn't live far from Baltimore. I found it very interesting. Then since then, they've had, I don't even know how many seasons they're up to now, they've just been helping with wrongful convictions since then. And I just, they're just amazing. They're so smart. They're so witty, which I love. It's just, it's fascinating. And the... The access that they get to the people who are in prison and their families and everything. It's just, you learn, it's its just so informative and I'm just obsessed with them and I want to be their friends. And I, if you're listening, call me. <laughs> Please give us a call. Please. Please call Candace. I'm obsessed with you. So, Innocence Commission. Let's talk about that. The Innocence Project? Yeah. Sorry. Also obsessed with them. Um. <laughs> so are they two different things? Yes. So there's actually, okay, so the Innocence Project was founded, it's one of its co-founders was Barry Sheck. He was actually wrongfully convicted. He's now a lawyer. He's one of the co-founders. They're headquartered in New York and they have like branches all over the world. Mm-hmm. Then additionally, all over the country and the world, there's tons of other like innocence, like organizations that have right. all kinds of different names. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. All right, so we are talking about in Undisclosed the case of state versus run along. Run along. That's how Ronnie talks. <laughs> it he's is like, how- I'm running along. <laughs> so he's from Concord, North Carolina. Yeah. So they're saying he has this like South Carolina slash Charlotte type of accent. Well, that's how Ronnie describes his accent is I forget what he says, like South Charlotte or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I didn't. Run along. I don't know what it is, but I love it. <laughs> There's four episodes of this podcast. Mm-hmm. They It's on season what, two, so that people can find it? Is it on um, two? So it's a mini season between seasons two and three. I think the first episode was in like 
March of 2018, I want to say. Okay. Something like that. And tell me about Ronnie Long. So Ronnie Long, he is from Concord. At the time of the crime, he was 20 years old. He was living the average 20-year-old life. He was going out to parties. He was visiting friends. He had he was working. He was just your regular early 20s dude. So something about Concord is that it's definitely like uh, what they call like a what they call? phrase just blanked on me. Oh, a company town. What's that mean? So it's like when basically everybody in the company either works for, has a family member that works for the company in that town. Gotcha. There was this woman who was the wife of an exec of that company who was raped. And she went to the police right after, gave the description, all this stuff. Police were like, all right, we're on it. So they started looking around and... Through weird happenstance, they come upon Ronnie Long, who, if you listen to the episode, you'll hear how he in no way matched the description. And there's just a lot of shadiness that went on with the investigation and how he ultimately was convicted. Ronnie Long is a black man. Concord is a very white town, especially at the time. This was in... 1973? Yeah, I want to say it was 73. Um, And so it was very divided. It was... There was a white neighborhood and a, and a black neighborhood, essentially. Right. And yeah. and full schools had been integrated, but society hadn't, if you will. So nobody co-mingled. And it was still, like, seen as a worse crime if it was a black man attacking a white woman versus if it was any other, like, combination of races. So the first episode, and I, for some reason, I can't find it right the second, but the first episode, they were talking about the identification and right. they were talking about when they have a lineup and basically how, <sighs> so talk about the lineup. They have, they get it in their mind that Ronnie Long is the guy who attacked her. Now, prior to deciding it was Ronnie Long, they had shown her a photo array of different men who they thought could potentially be her attacker and she didn't pick out any of them. And she had described her attacker as a yellow <laughs> I'm like yellow black man I'm like you're black you can say that I'm not gonna say that <laughs> no but a yellow yes. would be considered fair-skinned or a light-skinned African-American male and didn't say anything about any kind of facial hair correct no and, accent yes um because the attacker spoke to her and she described his clothing as like a black leather jacket and potentially gloves and a black toboggan on his head so they decide so they show her the lineup she doesn't pick anybody out they come across Ronnie Long through just a happenstance, pretty much. They had him come into court. I'm just trying to remember if they picked him, if that was when they picked him up. But I don't think it was. No, that it was wasn't. Later. He had come into court for another thing. I think he right. had like a ticket or something. So he came into the court for something else. And it was they, like a bogus trespassing charge yeah, and because they, they wanted was, to get him there. And they knew he was going to be there. And they right. basically, they told <laughs> the victim that they wanted her in the court to possibly point him out. And so she says, I'm really nervous. I don't know if I really want to do that. And so they say, this is how we will protect you. We're going <laughs> to we're going to disguise you. So they have the victim go in here and she's like got it's on a movie. The, like, yeah, what? She's got on a red wig <laughs> and her glasses and they've got her like somewhere sitting in, in a aisle. So she's in the courtroom and they say your attacker is potentially here, which first of all, that's super scary. Like thanks a lot, cops. And then <laughs> also you have to think about the makeup of the courtroom. There were only there weren't that many black men in the courtroom. Then when you take out the ones that are super old, the ones that are disabled, the ones who like just 
couldn't possibly that Be aren't young black men. It's down to two people. And then she's, oh, I guess it's that one. And she she points out Ronnie. And so then they arrest him. She didn't pick out Ronnie then, technically. They showed her, they then showed her another lineup, like another six pack, which is like six, those you see it on TV, <laughs> the six pictures arranged, they call it a six pack. Uh-huh. <laughs> they put the pictures together and Ronnie's pictures in there in him with him wearing his leather jacket. And he's the only person in the picture wearing the jacket. And they say, okay, do you see your attacker here? And she picks him out and it's bogus. Like she had just seen him in court. So she's supposed to think that it was him. Right. Like and, that was their plan basically. And which of your three faves was talking about the recollection. If he just, if she just saw him in the courtroom and then you show her a picture where he's in there, of right. course you're going to pick out the person that you just saw in the courtroom. When so. they told you your attacker is potentially in the courtroom. And then they say, and here we think he's in this lineup. Obviously you're going to be like, Oh, then that's him. Even though he looks Absolutely nothing like the guy you described. So then um, we go through the whole lineup part and they basically end up convicting him. Um, yes. An all white jury convicts him. So the, so let's talk about okay, jury selection. That was one of the Ugh. episodes. So jury selection, basically they have people who are potential jurors, both sides, the prosecution and the defense attorney are allowed to interview these people and decide whether they would be good for their case or there's some reason why they should be not disqualified or what it was. That's called the voir dire process. Voir dire. Voir dire. And so in their, in Ronnie Lime, Ronnie Long's case, mm-hmm. the sheriff said five of these people so at the time i was confused why he was they even asked him so it's super weird at the time that county i don't remember which county um north carolina it's not counties let me tell you it's is it moore county i don't know oh kateric 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 sure so (laughs) in that county at the time the sheriff along with i think there was technically like a few other individuals that were allowed to do this basically they were given the master list of all potential jurors ahead of time and able to go through and red pen who they didn't want and they all they had to put next to it was like quote unquote why and all they had to say was like undesirable they didn't have to explain anything so the sheriff went ahead and basically just crossed off all the black people and said that they were all undesirable. And that was like the law at the time. He was allowed to do that. Yeah, which would and then I thought it was interesting. They were talking about um, the conviction rate. Of oh, yeah. The jurors. So if it was an all white jury, they w- it was like 18 percent higher that they would convict a black person. And then they said, even if there was like one black juror within that, then people would be more likely to like actually convict or, you know. The rate of conviction dropped exponentially yeah. when there was just even, if there was even a black person in the jury pool, they didn't even have to make it onto the jury. Bananas. <laughs> Are you in a civil matter where you need to locate and serve court documents to someone? You might want to have divorce papers served to a wayward spouse or locate someone who owes you money. The investigators at Blackman Detective Services have the resources and intelligence to track down debtors and others avoiding being served with subpoenas, orders, and civil complaints. When there's someone you just can't find on your own or that has a history of avoiding, hiring an experienced investigator can be the key to unlocking the next phase of your case. Do you own or manage a business? The people you employ represent your company and your reputation. They might drive company vehicles or wear your logo. 
Your business's name is in their email. Blackman Detective Services pre-screens employees for statewide or national criminal records and DMV history so you can know before you hire. Verify the resume licenses and certifications for anyone applying to work for your business and your home. Thoroughly examine your child care and elderly care and even pet sitters. Call Blackman Detective Services and put good people to work. So I'm like, Bananas. and so that's, that's why jury selection is like super important. I know with yeah. a lot of cases that we work on, that's a big deal to make sure that they have people who are going to be as fair as possible, who aren't going to be swayed or just whatever. Let's talk about forensics. You want to talk about forensics in this case? What forensics? <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Let's talk about the forensics. <laughs> so what they had uh, a tin shoe, a shoe print from the woman's house. Yep. They had a hat that didn't quite match the description of the hat that they had pulled out of his car. If by didn't match, they the she said it was black and this was lime green. <laughs> it was a lime green hat. So lime and, green. And then so just a little different. And they went through this thing with a toboggan. I thought it was so funny because people always ask me what toboggan is. That's Do so you, funny. I had to Google it. I remember listening to this here. the first time and being pretty sure that it was a hat. But no, like this area, you're the only weirdos that call it a toboggan. It's a beanie. Y'all crazy. Beanie? What do you call it, John? So I grew up in Michigan, and it wasn't a toboggan there. No. Because a toboggan is a sled. But when I moved to <laughs> Minnesota, it was. Toboggan yeah. is a sled with a curl on the front that exactly. you get a bunch of people well, on. Well, it's hot. We ain't doing that sledding down here, so we don't need for a That could be why. But when we moved to Minnesota, people started, that's where I started hearing toboggan. Yeah. And I call it toboggan. I, I even mess it up even more. I call it a toboggan. It's my toboggan. It fits on your big toe. No. <laughs> So the, the one, the one like to me a toboggan would be the little hat that you roll up the ends and it's like knit, you know, and it's yeah, that's stretchy. what it was. Yeah, yeah. Then in the case they describe it as almost like a ski mask. I heard was did did somebody say at one point it had holes for the eyes? The well, that's no, no, the victim. She had originally described it as a toboggan that could have been a ski mask because I, I guess she was saying like it could have been. Like it was pulled like down so up. far that, yeah. So it was like, I don't know. It was just weird people switching the language up. It was just a hat. <laughs> At the end of the day. And it was black, according to the victim. And the, the one they the found victim, was lime green. green. <laughs> yeah. So that Ryan Long said much. it was lime green. And then it had hair in it that was clearly not African-American hair. But then they said something about like a blonde African-American person. I don't know. It doesn't matter that it's a green hat. It's not black. It has nothing to do with the case. Well, I was talking about the hair, but, uh, but it wouldn't even matter because the hat. But it doesn't count. matter. That's the whole point. The they go into all these things about oh, if if this was the hat and this is the hair and blah blah. It it's not the hat, so it doesn't matter what hair's in it, in my opinion. Right. So I'm like, next, you guys are crazy. But if they're trying to play like it is the hat, then of course they would have to address the hairs that are in it. The prosecution is right, and that's that. Ronnie's requested to have DNA testing done on the hair, and that's why they blocked it by coming up with a really BS excuse, saying mm -hmm. that his defense attorney had put the hat on his head or something during the trial, and that it had been passed around. And Ronnie's makes the very valid point: okay, take my attorney's DNA, and if it matches him, then we'll know that's what it's from. But if it doesn't, then whose is it? Kind of okay, and so then they also had the description of this black leather jacket <laughs> shaft. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched um, last night I was watching the new shaft there's a new mm -hmm. shaft 
That is really funny. Is it? I haven't seen it. I didn't think I would like it, (laughs) but I found myself laughing a lot. It was really good. So at that time, 70s, right? Everybody black was wearing like shaft jackets and they were very popular. And this woman described him as having this black jacket. But did they ever find a jacket that belonged to Ronnie? Yeah, they did. So they found a black leather jacket, which apparently like everybody had. And it's not really pertinent to the case, but it's interesting that Ronnie had only recently acquired that jacket. He had traded jackets with a friend of his. I guess they just liked each other's jackets better, so they had traded. And it's just, that's the, to me, shows how popular it was. Like, it wasn't even his friend already had one. Like, yeah. everybody had this jacket. It's today saying somebody was wearing, like, headphones. Sweatpants <laughs> to work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everybody's doing that, so it doesn't even really matter. It's It's... It doesn't matter. It's not like it wasn't a unique item by any means. So did they have any useful evidence at all? Again, well, against Ronnie? The idea, so. Well, real evidence? Like anything that actually could actual, make any There sense? is no actual evidence. But if you want to, if they think it's evidence, it's these items were found in the car. The family car. Right, which they never address. They never talk about how it's actually the family car. They just call it Ronnie's car. And that's where all these items were found. I thought they called it the long family car. They in might, my mind, I hear that, but I could be wrong. They, that's how our hosts, ad- like, that's how you know, okay. our hosts address it okay. because that's what it was. But the prosecution's, no, it was Ronnie's car. Okay. And he's, Are you kidding? I had to, like, beg to use that car. <laughs> I was right. not driving it every day. Okay, so then they talk about timeline, and I thought that was pretty interesting. The time, okay, so the lady said that she was assaulted, like, around 940 right. that night. And then... Ronnie supposedly was like on the phone with his kid's mom, then the kid, then brushing his teeth or something. What, what was it? Was something he was doing and his he was having conversation yeah. with his mother, and then he left and went to a party in Charlotte. So basically, there's according to his story, there's absolutely no way that he could have been at this woman's house, you know, assaulting her right. and on the phone at the same time. And even if the time doesn't exactly add up right, there's still, if you block off the time that the assault took place, there, Ronnie has an alibi for every, like, the whole day. bunching of time within right. that. And he has not just an alibi, he has, like, tons of people he was with. He wasn't, like, just, oh, I was in my room with my girlfriend. No, he's, I was on the phone, I was talking to my mom, I went and met up with this friend, and we went to a party, and there was 20 people at this party. And then he went home with the girl. And I and, and everyone says that he was wearing different clothes and that he had been wearing the same clothes from a meeting that he had been to earlier in the day where there was like another 20 witnesses said that he was in this <laughs> one outfit. And everybody's like, Ronnie never wears jeans. Like he was not wearing jeans. Yeah, he did wear khakis. He wears khakis. We make fun of him for it. It's like a thing. <laughs> so like the long family wears. Okay. But what they used in court was that it was daylight savings. And that there could have possibly been an hour difference. And sure. and because they like created this doubt. It's when, because they're mean and they put that doubt in mom's head. That's the and only. The sister, or, and the baby mom. It, she probably. But she, then they went back and, and found the cable right. listing for that day and found out that the show that she was watching did end at the right time. And then actually. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And they found all that later. But. Oh. I don't well, think I mean, that was brought it, up I mean, at trial. No, they didn't bring up nothing at trial. Right. I'm not anything of any <laughs> that, good. That was the only way they were able to introduce doubt into his timeline was that they're like, oh, it's daylight savings. And mom's like, oh, I don't know if we turn back the clocks. Don't do that to her. You are mean. 
Yeah. I mean, people are, you can't expect people when they're in court to necessarily do the right thing. Oh, really? Unfortunately. Mr. Ronnie Long. Ronnie Long. Was locked up for how long? He's still in prison. He said how it's been. Like right now. 44 years. 44 years. But. Yeah. Silver lining. Amazingly, um, actually this past week, the North Carolina Attorney General actually said that they are asking the district court to enter a writ vacating his conviction. So in the. What is what do you mean? So basically the attorney general is going to write a letter to the court saying, hey, he didn't do it. Let him go and just scrub that from his record. So he should be getting out. Obviously, the bureaucracy that is the criminal justice system will probably take. I hope it doesn't take that long. Uh, Maybe a year. I hope not. Maybe six months to a year would be my guess. So how did this happen? How did who brought it up? Like, how does this happen? He just continued to contact people, right? And he has a huge support team. His support, like, he has had people on his side from day one because all of his friends and family, everyone always says that, like, the family thinks they, they didn't do it. But there are plenty of family members out there that understand when their loved one has committed a crime. Everyone here was like, heck no, Ronnie didn't do it. Right before the announcement came out from the attorney general, there were people standing outside of courthouses and I think outside on the attorney general's like lawn (laughs) with signs up saying free running long. Like this has been going on for a long time and he gets these random like pushes of activism like in the public eye. And that's been going on for 44 years and it's just finally there's someone in power with the ability to help him out that's actually going to do it. Right. That's crazy. So he was how old when he went in? 20. 20 years old. So he's 64 and he's been locked. Can you imagine trying to reintroduce back into life? They went to his house and they spoke with him and his mom. They said, hey, we need Ronnie. This was after, I think it was the same day that he had been to court that day when um, they did the weird show up lineup, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. They go and they they go to his house and they say, hey, we just need Ronnie to come sign some paperwork that he forgot to take care of. It only it only take a little while. So Ronnie's a mom and dad both say, do I need to come? Does he need representation? They're like, oh, no, it'll be just a minute. They take him to the courthouse. They say, hey, we think you raped this lady and they arrest him and he hasn't been home since. Can you imagine? Absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. That stuff, I can't handle it. Like wrongful convictions, that's where I eventually want to work. I want to help people get out of these situations because it can, it literally can happen to anyone. And it's terrifying because I can't imagine how helpless you feel in that situation. I know. So. Not having any options, right? The, your, his defense, what in the world was up with the defense team? It's, it seems like after they've done more research that like they were given information. They, the prosecution and the police withheld a ton of exculpatory evidence. Like they had all this evidence that pointed to people other than Ronnie and they didn't tell him. And that's what's called a Brady violation. So that should get him a new trial. But the attorney general is going farther than that because. Because the, they tried that before and they didn't right. have enough votes. Like he had to have majority and it was like. It's, I don't remember the exact like numbers of who. I feel like it was a tie. I mean, that sounds right. Reason. Yeah. It, it's really tough to, um, to get post-conviction relief. It's really hard to get into a court and have someone listen to you. Free Raleigh Long. Run along. Run along. Hopefully he'll be out uh, super soon. They, um, His lawyer actually was trying to get it 
um, like expedited to get him out like tomorrow because the prison that he's in has just had a like a big COVID cluster. Uh-oh. Yeah. And so they've had a hundred. Where is he? Is he in, uh, is he still in North Carolina? Yeah, he's still in North Carolina. I don't remember where he's at exactly, but he, the clusters, like a hundred some people are sick and three people have died. So they were like, hey, how about you let him out now? Because you're going to let him out eventually. But I, that hasn't gone through yet as far as I know. They probably wait to the last day for they can let him, they let him out, unfortunately. Ugh, I can't handle it. I know. Let's keep up with this so we can like just say, yay, Ronnie's free. Yeah, absolutely. Big Undisclosed is the podcast that that's on. And there's wonderful. many other episodes of many other cases. Yes. I suggest anyone, if you are interested in listening uh, uh, to cases of wrongful conviction, you check out the podcast Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom. <laughs> He's amazing. He has had, if you even just look at the, like, how many episodes he has, that shows you how many people have been wrongfully convicted because it's a different person every episode. Wow. And it's crazy. And right now they're almost finished. They have um, like a little side series going on called Wrongful Conviction Junk Science. And they're going through all of the different types of quote unquote sciences that are now being proven. Like bite marks. Exactly. The episode so far, like bite mark analysis, blood splatter, arson investigation, hair comparison. So I think it's really important that people listen to that because the, sorry, I'm trying not to freak out and just like start ranting into the microphone because I'm like, this stuff drives me crazy. Our judicial system doesn't have, doesn't have in place any mechanism to educate the jury on the fact that this is nonsense. So I think it's important that people spread the word like, oh, their bites matched up. And you're like, okay, that's not real. So if somebody tells you that, then just know that they're a crackpot and ignore them. (laughs) Be like, excuse me, next. Is this Netflix? Like, pass. (laughs) I want no parts of that. Okay, so Wrongful Conviction podcast is on its 11th season. So it's been rocking since 2016. So yeah, awesome. I'm gonna have to get on this. Oh, there he is. Run along. Run along. I got him up there again. Yep. Season um, 11, episode 11. Awesome. Yeah, I think that might actually have been Ronnie's second episode. I think he was on it earlier. I think in that one, they're talking about the possibility of everything that we just, that we know now about actually getting post-conviction relief. Cool. Yay. Yeah. Okay, fun question time because true crime, although we love it, it's depressing sometimes. I literally listen to true crime all day, every day. I don't find it depressing, which I guess is... Ever, never. That's funny. So I need a little bit of... Levity? Yeah. That's when I listen to the comedy true crime podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Those are great. Shout out, true crime obsessed. Oh, Uh, I love that one. I do Small town murder and let's go to court. Those are my top three Let's go to court? Yeah. Let me put that one in here right now. Love let's go to court. What's that about? Hey, Kristen and Brandy, I expect a... (laughs) A shout out on your show. I wanted to give this fun anecdote. So I'm on I'm I'm on Reddit a lot. I pretty much am only in the true crime podcast subreddit, but there's like a small community of us in there that are always on there. So hey guys, C A W zero five two zero. That's me. You didn't know. You are so crazy. But so you even have people showing up at your house. Oh my god, anything pl- crazy. I mean, She's I can't like, get my address from Reddit, but I'm like, yes, please DM me. What's up? <laughs> but this chick had posted in there a couple, like earlier this year that she was a grad student at, I think it's Reiser 
University in Canada, and that she is writing an article for their, she's a journalism major, and they have a literary magazine that they put out twice a year, and she was looking for people who listen to True Crime Podcast to interview. And so I messaged her, and I'm like, hey, you can interview me if you want. So she does, and uh, she's like, all right, great, whatever. So then I, I forget about it. A few months later, someone from the same uh, magazine calls me and is like, hey, I'm here to fact check for What's Her Face's article. And I'm like, okay. So they just like asked me questions about things that I had said. I'm like, okay. And then, so a few months later, I message her again. I'm like, hey, did that article come out? And she's like, yeah, you're in it. I'm like, I am? <laughs> so I <laughs> to come out online, but then COVID. The, I ended up, I just ordered it, like a hard copy from Canada because yeah. I was like, whatever, I'm in it. I want to see it. If you, I, I'll, I want to read you my blurb. Oh, please. Candace, a 34 year old true crime diehard who lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, has actively sought out Canadian podcasts, which she say tend to have excellent research, engaging hosts, and phenomenal storytelling. <laughs> Quote There's none that I found that are as good, obviously, as CBC. But there are other Canadian ones that I listen to because I don't know. I just feel like they always seem to be better. I'm like, <sighs> Did you need to put all my like likes and stuff in there? But okay. <laughs> I said, <laughs> like a family girl. I know. Like, like. <laughs> From finding Cleo, she learned about the residential school system in Canada and decided to embark on her own research project. Quote, I don't know anybody here that knows that. Like, we're not taught that in school. And I was fascinated by it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I probably said it like that. Whatever. <laughs> and then a little while later <laughs> in the article, <laughs> just, no, just wait, um, says, Okay, new paragraph. People are drawn to true crime podcasts for a myriad of personal reasons. The true crime diehard <laughs> has, subscribed, has subscribed to more than 250 true crime podcasts and listens for 8 to 10 hours per day for oh one reason. Oh, yeah, I'm a weirdo. I, I tried to count for this because she had asked me that, and I eventually gave up, and I was just estimated. I wouldn't be surprised it's an underestimate. Anyways, mm. for one reason only. She wants to know how the perpetrator got caught. Unless information presented is pertinent to the crime itself, she says, quote, I don't care. I don't care what you did as a kid. I don't care that you played the cello. I don't care that you moved when you were nine and your goldfish died. She was recently hired as a private investigator associate and is training under a licensed PI. Now, I did say that, and I'm not really mad at her about this, and I did say that, but the reason she left out <laughs> is that Knowing those details doesn't help me solve the crime. Like knowing that you play the cello isn't going to be beneficial in for me solving a crime in the future. So it right. makes me just sound like I'm heartless. But really, <laughs> <laughs> but the point. But I mean, the point really is just that those details aren't going to go on my murder board, kind of thing. And I was like, man, I sound like such an asshole. <laughs> But I just want you guys to know I'm really not. She left the rest of it out. Yeah. she just. I mean, it made for good coffee. Want, I think <laughs> she wanted you to sound like that. I think she wanted you yeah, to Yeah. She wanted me to sound a little dry and crass or not crass. <laughs> and I don't know. She just, I guess I, I was just playing this character in this story. <laughs> and that's, I'm sticking to that. So I'm actually a very nice person. I promise. Sometimes you can be a little dry. Your tone. But you're not actually. It's, Maybe what yeah, does dry I mean? Know. I don't know. <laughs> just, I would think that's like, oh, did she? I think you mean rye, not dry. Rye oh. is like a. Like I would a, say I'm rye, yes. Yeah, like a oh, sarcastic means. Oh. point of view. Oh, yeah, like sarcastic and. No, I did not know that. Thank you, Joe. I'm always learning. New trying things. to be clever. 
that's part of it. But rye, know. like rye bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spelled differently, but yes. Oh, how do you spell it? W-R-Y. Oh, see, two things I learned today. <laughs> Unless I, I don't know. I also no, made, you're right. Yeah. I was like, I'm really bad at spelling. As, as soon as I said that, I was like, oh, don't ask me how to spell it. I'm probably going to be wrong. Is that, is <laughs> I just know it's not right? the bread. <laughs> Okay, cool. All right. Prisoner's Dilemma. Oh, the thing I sent? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Please explain this to me. <laughs> okay, so. Can you see? I'm going to yeah. show Joe just like. Yeah, go for and it. If, um, sure. Just because I just thought it was interesting. Look at the pictures. Okay, so Prisoner's Dilemma is a is an example, is a type of game theory. Um, so game theory is just ways to explain happenings in the world, like options. It's super complicated, but prisoner's dilemma is always interested me because it has to do obviously prisoners. But whenever I hear cases, something we didn't mention about Ronnie before is that he was offered a plea deal. He was offered, I think 10 years and they were said, you'll be out in five or something like that. And he said, no, I didn't do this. I'm not taking this plea. So whenever instances like that happen and they end up spending 44 years in prison, I can't help but think of this type of game theory that it's he's when you are innocent and you are being charged with something, you're set up into a no win some game. There's no way for you to act to actually yeah, come it's like, out on top. You're right. either gonna come out with horrible charges and you won't ever really be able to go forward. Or you or admit to something you didn't do. And just, because the likelihood of being found not guilty is really low when you're brought to trial. It's just a fact. And so I just, I can't help but think about, so the prisoner's dilemma game is, shows you like the likelihood. So it's like, you have two guys. If they work together, they'll get the least amount of time. If they go against each other, like trying to better themselves. Prisoner B. Right. So if one flips on the other, the flipper gets no time. The other one gets like double time. But if they work together, they could both do, have no time. So if prisoner A and prisoner B are both talking which means that they are cooperating what with the with the state or cooperating with each other which one this one where they have two five years that's so it says right here so this is when both confess so if you both confess you only do five years if one of you stays quiet and the other one confesses then the one who confessed gets no time and the person who said who didn't confess gets more time. So we, in this we call example, that it's 20 years. the snitch. Sure. Yes. And then if you both though, if you, neither of you talk, you both might only do one year. So. Right. Because you'd be sitting. Because they don't, because they need your evidence to convict the other person. Exactly. So. If there's no other <clears throat> physical evidence, correct? And it is just, it's just a game theory game. But what I always think about when I see that is what if one of them is innocent? Like it doesn't, this doesn't take into account prisoner A being innocent, but prisoner B being guilty or them both being innocent. And it's just something that I always think about is that's never factored in because when you are innocent, it changes the game board completely and you are screwed. There are so few options. And I just, you can take that. So like plea bargaining to me is like one of my big like no issues. Yeah. Like, so mm -hmm. a lot of the cases that we work on and that you're going to work on with me coming up next week. Yeah. Is it's that type of situation. They're going to offer this man a plea. Okay. Two different ones. Let me go back. There's one that we're working on and the guy, we completely feel like he's innocent. He hasn't had, he had, he was there, but he wasn't involved. And at least from what I've 
found out and heard and whatever over the last couple of years. And he's in that situation where they, of course, are wanting to offer him a plea. And it's he's already been sitting in jail two years. He really wants to go home. He could definitely (laughs) take a plea and just go home. They would probably give him time served for the couple of years that he's done and then a little bit left over. But certainly don't want him to take any kind of a plea at all. But that's a choice that he has to make because this is his life that we're talking about. And then he has to decide if he wants to take this to trial or he wants to, which I think he should. But I, when you're talking it's about you know playing this game, yeah, like you don't know what you're gonna get. You just so there's this documentary. I think it might have been like a PBS special or something. I don't know. It's on YouTube. It's called The Plea, and it features I forget five people are on it, and they're all in situations where they were basically given the choice of a plea or going to trial, and they all have different culpabilities. Mm-hmm. Like some of them are like, yeah, I totally did this. Some of them are like, yeah, I did it, but I have my reasons. Other people are like, I didn't do this at all. And it's all about what do you do in that situation? And it's so, it's infuriating because in my opinion, in my opinion, if the prosecution is willing to offer you 10 years for a crime, all they say is take this plea, you do 10 years. But if you go to trial, which is your right, I'm going to make sure that you're in for life. To me, that has nothing Mm. to do with justice because if it was justice, like you've already said that you don't think they're a danger to society because you're willing to let them only do 10 years. It's just, if they waste your time and money, you're going to punish them more. It is ridiculous. And it's what force it. It's why so many innocent people end up taking pleas because they're terrified of losing their whole life. It breaks my heart and it makes me like, yeah. I just hope that (laughs) while you're working with black men and further on in life, that you are able to set innocent people free. And I'll do everything Thank that you. I can to help you. Oh, you got me. you're so nice. Because yes. honestly, this is why we do this work, right? Is yeah. to find the truth. It's not about jumping on any one side. It's just about facts. And if it's not right, it's not right. And we're in a position where we get to weasel around in different <laughs> yeah. ways to get information. But if we can do anything to help bring out truth that's what we're here for yay yay you've been awesome unfortunately we've like close to the end that's okay because whether you like it or not i'm coming back you're coming back will you come back obviously i'm taking over the show (laughs) in case you didn't notice welcome to the sleuth with candace and i guess jamie's here too (laughs) (laughs) i i would like to introduce a new segment we're gonna have called candace's controversial corner where i'm gonna uh Ooh. Talk about controversial topics. Controversial and conversational. Yes. Com- that's, I, I like it's that. a lot of scenes. Really, we'll figure it out. But I like it. Yeah, I love it. What do you think, Joe? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, on it. So uh, follow us on everything. Yes. All the things. <laughs> I just learned that was she a new thing, Joe. just learned that all the things is like a phrase and she thinks she's like super hip. Didn't, I, it's been a thing for a really long time. I've never heard Joe say it. I'm not hip. <laughs> sure. The kids sometimes put you on. So I thought maybe the kids might have said something about all the things. But I hear everybody saying all the things. I say all the things. You do say all the things. Yeah. And then our friends were saying all the things. Podcast friends. Yeah. But anywho, thank y'all for listening. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Please uh, visit us on all the things. 
and look forward to us in the next couple of weeks. Oh, and if you have topics or something that you want us to talk about, you can DM us on the Instagram or you can do askthesleuth at gmail.com. Blackman Detective Services. Check out our website at blackmanpi.com and follow us on Facebook. We don't sleuth shame. Subscribe to The Sleuth on your favorite podcast app if you really want to know.